to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today's sermon text is the epistle for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, especially the first verse, two words. We'll get to in a minute. In Christ's name, it is Pink Candle Sunday. One of my favorites. In one sense, I pray not, but in another sense, I'm looking for something weird to happen today. It almost always seems to occur on this Sunday. I was sharing with some in one church I had the power went out. Um, I used the wrong liturgy. I almost did this morning here today. I couldn't find it in my hymnal. I didn't think then, but hey, it's Pink Candle Sunday, and I have a tradition I haven't kept every single year, but being an intentional interim pastor, I can, because it's usually new to the congregation I'm serving. Some groaners. You've probably heard, maybe all of them, do you know the first reference to baseball in the Bible? Right at the start, Genesis 1-1, in the big inning. Come on, you've heard it. The first tennis game in the Bible, when David served in Saul's court. No. The first sports car in the Bible, when David's triumph was heard throughout the land. I shared one with our cooks in the kitchen the last few weeks, that they weren't the first. The Apostle Paul was a baker. Yeah, of course, he went to Philippi. No. Shortest man in the Bible, not Zacchaeus, Nehemiah. And my all-time favorite, the first financier in the Bible, Noah, because he floated all the stock while the world was in liquidation. <laughs> Another common riddle question, although serious, you hear often to lead into this. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Most people would answer John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. But that's not right. I give to you First Thessalonians five sixteen. The text for today and the theme for today. Again, two words, rejoice always, almost in all translations you have that. Rejoice always. You may say, well, that's longer, more letters, but not in Greek. Our church confesses that that the inspired word of God is that which was originally given to the holy writers in the Old Testament in 
biblical Hebrew for the most part, a little bit of Aramaic in the book of Daniel. And in the New Testament, entirely what's called Koine Greek, the common Greek spoken around the world. Jesus, I think, surely spoke Greek. They, they ran a carpenter's shop. They must have had Roman soldiers coming through to whom they sold things. Everybody spoke Greek. And God picked that point in history to spread his word, indeed, to the ends of the earth in Greek. John 11:35 actually has three words. There's a definite article in front of the name Jesus. Uh, it is Adakrisen Ho Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5:16 only has two words and three less letters in Greek. Pantote Kyrata. Always rejoice. The shortest verse in the Bible. I discovered this on my own about 30 years ago. I am sure others had noted it before. That was prior to the internet, folks. Now when you Google it, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 comes up, actually. And you may have already known this. But it, it makes a point. One of the most Simple messages in God's word besides the common occurrence from angels and God himself when, when people stand in fear of his presence knowing their sin. We're going to hear this on Christmas. Fear not. What a great gospel message. Your sin is solved in the gracious saving God who comes to us. This one might be next. Rejoice. Always. When I was a kid, there was a vicar in our congregation. I don't know if he's still with us. Tom Kosky was his name. And he'd walk up to kids, he'd poke them in the chest, and he'd say, what's the good word? And we were all to respond, rejoice! <laughs> and I hope you do too. Not just on Pink Candle Sunday, always, always rejoice it's the message of God all through scripture indeed I had it come up twice in my devotions this week reading through Philippians I may not have it marked in my Bible no but I know these verses you do too Philippians 4 4 rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice one chapter earlier, Paul said that, rejoice in the Lord, Philippians 3, 1. He says it later in Philippians 4, I rejoice. A few weeks ago when I was reading through Romans, which I do have marked in my Bible, it came up again short and sweet in a section where Paul, like in 1 Thessalonians 5, lists a whole bunch of little uh, encouragements and commands let love be genuine and abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good similar to what we heard love one another with brotherly affection do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the Lord then rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation etc constant in prayer 
We have the same words in 1 Thessalonians. This was a common message of the apostle by inspiration. Rejoice. Rejoice. Notice it's in hope or in the Lord there. No, it's in hope in Philippians, in the Lord. There is a reason for your joy. A lasting reason. Joy resounds in today's Old Testament reading, one of the best hundreds of years before the Savior was born in the midst of the people's tribulation. Indeed, uh, discipline from the Lord for their sin and unfaithfulness. The Messiah is promised. We know because Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 of himself in the synagogue in Nazareth as he read it the spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the poor sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor that he closed the scroll in Luke 4 and sat down and said, today these scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. He is the anointed one, the Christ, the Savior. And that's why the prophecy continues that God will give us a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. That's why we have joy. Joy always, joy eternal. Not contingent just on earthly things like a pink candle once a year or Christmas decorations, but joy that lasts. Indeed, Jesus said in John chapter 15, these things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be full. And then he went to the cross, dear friend, to take what you should endure, the total absence of joy, separation from his father, damnation, so that your joy is preserved and lasts and grows Full. Indeed, that shortest verse in the Bible speaks of, of what goes on forever. What many people think is the shortest verse in the Bible actually is short. Today's appointed psalm, you heard a bit of it or a parallel passage from the intro at today. It's Psalm 126, and it mentions, Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongues with shouts of joy. But it makes a comparison in verse 5. It says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping only tarries for a night, for a while. 
But joy, eternal joy, comes with the morning, indeed the dawn of the Savior. We heard the antiphon today, the day spring from on high, the light of the world, John the baptizer testified, the one who brings today again forgiveness of sin. And the strength to serve. Like John, you are to go forth and witness to that light and to the joy that is in you. Yes, with the eternal joy you have in Christ, you have an inheritance kept for you that cannot be taken away in him. And you will rejoice in heaven with him. But I think it can be communicated, indeed, even in humor, as I started the sermon today, a happy attitude, even in the midst of trials. The Bible says many times rejoice in your tribulations, in your tribulations. Again, as an intentional interim minister, there's an aspect of my service that is to reflect this, not here at Trinity Lutheran Church, but in previous congregations and generally intentional interim pastors come to a congregation with some sort of crisis, the resignation of a pastor or major conflict in the church. And, and one tool they emphasize in the training is humor. Lighten the mood in the church. Make fun of something. Crack a joke. And that may turn people from the tears of this world, which do exist for a time, to the eternal joy they do have. Jesus did cry in John chapter 11. He was standing outside the tomb of what may have been his best friend, Lazarus, who had died days earlier. And there was earthly grief. Jesus even said that his soul was covered with sorrow at one time. He felt the pains of our sin. Not having sin, he still felt that. There may be other reasons for his grief. Some have speculated that he was calling Lazarus back to this veil of tears when he could be in glory. In any case, his tears did not last, right? You know what happened next. He spoke to that tomb and to that death, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Jesus said, unbind him and set him free. We have those words. Jesus said in John 15, these things I have spoken to you, these words we're sharing about his birth in the upcoming season. Yes, his death in our place, his resurrection, his appearing again in glory. That comes out after all tears are gone. And we do rejoice always.